All right, everybody. Good morning. This is the Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Wiz, how are you on this crisp autumn Monday? Yeah, uh, hanging in there, uh, doing okay. Uh, crazy, crazy week of uh, football and uh, a lot of unusual things took place and uh, injuries again were somewhat of a factor, some quarterbacks and going forward and weather conditions as well. Really, uh, you know, first time all year, really, where weather really came into factor in uh, several of these uh, games. Uh, Certainly, the game last night was uh, it was just a, a monsoon out there in that uh, Patriot uh, Raven game. But uh, yeah, I know you were telling me earlier that you had some crazy results in your games, uh, thanks to uh, Nick Chubb, who was one of my favorite players in the NFL, and uh, that was a costly one to the owners of Nick Chubb and as well as those who backed the Cleveland Browns, laying four and a half points. Just, just, just incredible. And I'm not like I'm not really here to debate uh, whether he should have done it or not. We saw a few weeks ago what happened with Todd Gurley. I think this was a slightly different situation with less than a minute to go as he's sprinting down the sidelines without any human being behind him. But uh, you know, nonetheless, he took that opportunity. There was also happened in that Arizona, which again we'll talk about that play uh, where Kyla Murray who I think enters the equation uh, or into the in, into the uh, line of thinking is is Kyla Murray potentially your uh, NFL MVP especially with the way Russell Wilson has regressed the last couple of weeks but we'll we'll talk about that but in that game in a lot of instances the, the Arizona Cardinals were were laying two and a half points in that ball game and they decide not to go for the extra point to make it a three point game so <laughs> implications on the gambling side wherever we look but as yeah. you understand that but if you had Arizona you know laying two and a half points you know you thought you were dead in the water uh that miraculous throw whatever I guess you know they could have they could have went for two or ran just ran a handoff but I, I understand that you want to get a, a kick blocked or a fumble return for a two point the other way so um very 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 interesting and that was some last minute of a ball game is as good as a last minute in a football game that I've seen in quite a while. Incredible, incredible duel between Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. For yeah, sure. b- b- both guys played 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 really good ball games. They made big plays. I mean, basically, Josh Allen doesn't have a running game behind him right now. Devin Singletary is really doing nothing, and a couple of big plays, like you said, by Josh Allen, and then Murray comes back. You know, did it with his legs earlier in the game, and just an incredible last second play. Uh, to DeAndre Hopkins, who who probably has the best hands in all of football. But, you know, just a lot happened in the NFL in general. And I don't, by the way, I, I want to, I hope the NFL recognizes sometimes I think they have to look at things and be a little bit more subjective and, and make a call on things. So for most of most football weeks, we're dealing with nine or 10 games on, on, at, at the 1 p.m. hour. And I know there's people out doing things on Sundays, whether they're going to church or all that sort of thing or kids sports or what have you. But with, for the first time since 1993, uh, there were more four o'clock games than four. Uh, than one o'clock games yesterday, and I loved having the six games at four o'clock. I, I just I like the balance of the two, and, and you throw into the mix, which by the way we haven't discussed uh, yet. But you know, Dustin Johnson winning winning the Green Jacket at the Masters, 
the Masters just on a Sunday during the football season in November. It was just a it was a crazy day overall. But I really liked the better balance of the schedule between one and four. Did you did you find that something that you liked or? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very very true. I mean, I think you know you should have the same level of excitement at four o'clock as you do as one. I hate that imbalance where you have nine games or ten games at one and three games at four o'clock or you know nine and four or ten and four or something like that. I mean, I really like the balance. It really uh, gives you equal level of excitement. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like when you look at your lineup in fantasy and you look at, oh, okay, um, uh, you know, like uh, you start 11 guys or 10 guys and like eight or nine of them are going to one o'clock. And then when it gets to four o'clock, there's not much action going on. So I think from the perspective of, uh, you know, a lot of different things, it, it's I completely agree with you that, a little bit more balance between one and four um, makes it more interesting, at least in uh, my view as, as well as yours. So let me, let me ask you this question. I touched upon that, that whole uh, discussion around the MVP, and we, we felt like Russell Wilson, if he stays healthy, was going to be a slam dunk, and he's had you know three kind of off weeks in a row. Jalen Ramsey locked up uh, DK Metcalf yesterday. Is it time that we actually start thinking about Kyler Murray maybe in that same discussion for the MVP, or or am I overstepping my bounds here? Oh, I mean, how can he not? How can he not be in that discussion? I mean, he has to be in that discussion. Um, you know, when I watch when I, when I when I watch the teams play, it looks to me like. You know, Kyler Murray is doing these things out of complete necessity. The offensive line isn't great. Um, his team is in these situations. And then when I watch Kansas City play, it just looks like they're messing around and, like, I don't know. It seems like at some point Pat Mahomes got tired of the talk of the other guys and said, oh, okay, you forgot who I am. I'm just going to start throwing five touchdowns a game and 400 yards a game. And uh, I think, honestly, like uh, – Kansas City could do what they want, when they want, where they want, just about any time. And uh, they're like drawing up plays in the grass. So while I think um, Kyler Murray is has just been terrific and deserves to be in that conversation, I get the kind of feeling that Pat Mahomes has said enough of this stuff. I'm just going to start throwing four or five touchdowns a game now. <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, there's no way I'm going to disparage Pat, Patrick Mahomes in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, but but yeah, he he hasn't gone away in in, in that conversation either. Um, you know, speaking of conversations, you know, we we talked at length about this coming into the season, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are now nine and zero for the first time uh, in, in history. Um, you know. Ben Roethlisberger didn't practice this week, and they continue to just pound on people. You called this game very, very well. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin, I thought, did a great job with that team last year, given that he really had to do it with defense. But now this team has weapons all over the place. You know, Pittsburgh and Kansas City uh, should be a very interesting duel uh, to see who ends up winning the AFC this year. Uh, I'm very impressed with everything I've been seeing in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh's offense is starting to match, uh, you know, with their defense, and that becomes a scary combination. But, like, I was talking before the game last week, like, I, I think they, they like, uh, you know, have, I think they've 
finally came to the realization that they're just going to throw the ball all over the place. And, uh, you know, instead of trying to force the running game, which just isn't there, you know, they're just going to take those, you know, Deontay Johnson, Smith-Schuster, um, Claypool, James Washington, Ebron, even Connor was put out. They're going to play with an empty backfield, and they're just going to throw the ball all over the park. And uh, with that defense playing the way it's playing, you know, when they get a lead on you and Pittsburgh could score 27, 30 points on you, I mean – they're a tough team to beat, um, no question about it. It's going to take a team with an elite offense like Kansas City to put up those kind of points against that defense that Pittsburgh is going to have to match. Otherwise, you know, Pittsburgh is uh, is just too strong because they're the one one of the few teams in the NFL that can really, really stop the other team from throwing the ball with their pass rush. So it's a, it's a devastating combination so far for Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I want to go back to Nick Chubb a second. You know, you mentioned him as being one of your favorite players, and you, you had said you'd stressed if Nick Chubb is playing, I'm putting him out there. You felt he'd have a big game. He did have a really good game, and he is a difference maker on this team. You know, Cleveland is going to ride this guy the rest of the season, and, and you know, Nick Chubb is, is, is a force to be reckoned with. And within, you know, look, the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns are going to be in striking distance of a playoff spot in the AFC without a doubt, and Nick Chubb will be a big part of it in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I sent the tweet to Baker Mayfield last year, and I said, you know, please, get this through your head. You're not the best player on the Browns. Beckham's not the best player on the Browns. Landry's not the best player on the Browns. 24 is the best player on the Browns. You've got to hand the ball off to him. And uh, listen, there's a lot, there's like some people out there who think, like, it's no difference, like, if he gets hurt, Kareem Hunt could come in there. But it's just not true. It's really not true. In my view, aside from a healthy Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb is the best running back in the NFL from a running back perspective. His vision, his yards after contract, contact, he's the best in the NFL at it. And uh, they're a different team when they could ground and pound you with Nick Chubb and then bring in Hunt and let him run the ball, utilize both players on the field at the same time. So having Nick Chubb in the game is a, is a shot in the arm. And, uh, yeah, that was, <laughs> what's going to get lost about that run or forgotten about because he went out of the one and it's going to affect fantasy games and betting games is the run itself was incredible. I mean, watch the run. There was nothing yep. there. A pitch nothing to the there. Left. Some jump cut to get outside. And then when he got in the open field, the guy's coming off a six-week sprained knee. The guy was running like a gazelle down the sidelines. I mean, yeah. incredible. I love Nick Chubb. He's just a humble guy, one of my favorite players. And uh, and uh, it was a great run. And, uh, and with him, Cleveland definitely could be a playoff team. I'll, I'll put it like that. Yeah, talk about another team, you know, and I'm moving around the league before we get on the game because I just felt there was so many phenomenal things that happened yesterday. But I, I can't step back from what's happened in Miami, and I know I was pretty outspoken about changing quarterbacks, and, and two has had his moments, certainly. But the, the Miami defense is making a lot of big plays. I think they made life a little bit difficult for Justin Herbert in this game. I know there's a little bit of impairment with that backfield without without Eckler. Uh, but the Miami Dolphins are 6-3 and three now. I mean, they, they are in striking distance of that division. And I just... We felt that you know this team was responding very well to Brian Flores, but the defense has played one of the better defenses in the league uh, through the first half of the year, and another big win for the Dolphins. Uh, you know they just they just they just went right at the Chargers yesterday. Yeah, I mean it's not surprising to me. I talked about the I've talked about the the Dolphins. Um, 
in the offseason before the draft, how I loved how they were playing hard at the end of last year, the young players they have, what they did in free agency, and how many draft picks they had in this elite class. And, uh, yeah, they are, they are getting contributions from 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 everyone. And uh, Tua looks terrific. Um, he, he just looks like, wow, he is not overwhelmed, overmatched. The game looks slow to him. Um, he he looks absolutely terrific. And, uh, yeah, I think Miami is back in a big, big way. And uh, with the youth and the skill and the coaching of that team, they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with for, for quite a while. There's a, there's a lot to like about the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I'll tell you, the player I've been most impressed with the last couple of weeks, and the guy was on – on stage last night, um, Damian Harris just looks like a dominating running back. And, I, you know, I, I just, he's had, a, he, and, and with this backfield, which there's so many moving parts to it, and Sony Michelle's not even uh, there right now, but we know they have uh, James White there. Rex Burkhead has made some significant contributions at times this year. But Damian Harris looks like he's just, he has a burst that other backs do not have. And I think if we look at the inconsistency around the, the, the passing game of uh, Cam Newton, to me, that the New England Patriots just need to lean on this guy throughout the rest of the year. How do you? Because I still see him on a lot of waiver wires in a lot of leagues, but this guy's just running over people. And this is like three weeks in a row. Yeah, the, the, the issue the issue with him is is not his ability. I mean, he's a hard runner. I mean, you could imagine that one-two punch at Alabama with Josh Jacobs and him. Um, you know, and he was like the forgotten guy there with uh, how great Jacobs was and is. And yes, I I agree with that. And, and but last night was the perfect game to utilize that player with those rainy, windy game, and you just want to get a player like that running downhill, and the defense can't get their footing, and you could push their defensive line around a little bit. It was a, it was a perfect. It was a perfect uh, game script for, for Damian Harris. Uh, but the thing is, we know what goes on with the Patriots' backfield. I mean, there'll be game script where they'll utilize James White, and Rex Burkhead is always part of that offense. They, they love him. I mean, they just love that player. He's on special teams, and he can catch it, he can block, he can run. So they love that player. So as much as I like Damian Harris, it's just going to be maddening to figure out when to start that player in fantasy football. But agree completely on his ability and the fact that they should use him more. But it's just a, it's just a, it'll be a, it'll be a guessing game when you could use him. You kind of have to use him in the game where you think the Patriots are going to be in it or winning. Because otherwise, if it's if it's one of those games where they're trailing, he could just be standing next to Belichick. So. It's just a maddening situation. All right, I got two more things to talk about, and then we're going to get to the game tonight. I'm sorry. Like I said, I've got I, my mind is kind of going 100 miles an hour this morning. I, I actually can't believe that we're saying this, but we've talked about – I mean, you mentioned Daniel Jones this week about being a quarterback that you liked. Uh, I actually liked the over on his rushing yards as well this week. This team has played extremely hard for Joe Judge. Defensively, they've played well. 
Uh, I think for the first time in his career, Daniel Jones did not turn the football over yesterday. Uh, you know, the, the Eagles, again, probably the most maddening team to, 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 to be a fan of at this point in time because they are just going to drive uh, their hardcore uh, you know, backers uh, in a big way. But, uh, the Giants, you know, we thought maybe that Washington football team would be the team that wins this division. The Eagles obviously had probably the easier path and, the, and, and more talent. I mean, the NFC East, does anything get clarified at all? But but the Giants are in the equation in the NFC East. Am I, am I nuts for th- suggesting that? No, not at all. I mean, but, you know, I thought, like, if all things are equal, everyone has all of their players on their roster, you know, from the start of the season. I, you know, I still would like Washington. But, you know, they're down to – I mean, when the season started, there's no way – there was just no way that they would have thought – uh, that Ron Rivera would have guessed in a million years that, that Alex Smith would be in there. And he took for 390 yards, and McLaurin is just the guy that I just, you know, I, I just think he's so, so good. He's such a smooth receiver, uh, and Gibson's look good. So they got the pieces there, and their defensive line is, is really, really strong. So I, I could see, I don't trust anybody in the division, like I keep talking about with the Eagles. Their roster, they got all of those guys coming back. Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager is back. Uh, you know, and, 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 and Travis Fulgham looks good, and they got Dallas Goddard back. But there's just something about the team that you just can't trust because at any given day, he could turn the ball over a bunch of times. The defense in the secondary is not good. So it's a, it's a, it's a fun division, and it's difficult to try and predict what's going to happen. But there's a lot of good fantasy players in that division. Uh, you know, I just, you know, McLaurin is just a guy. It doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. He's he's really in that wide receiver one uh, territory, along with along with Travis Fulgham. I know who had a who had a, a quiet day. But I want to say one thing about the Giants. You know, this, I, I've talked about this player. This James Bradbury is really going to be an All Pro cornerback. Um, he is terrific, and um, he makes a lot of great plays. So there are a lot of a lot of things to like about the Giants, and they are playing hard. And that's really all you could ask of a team. And if Daniel Jones can just protect the ball when they get in the red zone and when the pocket is closing on him and he feels that rush a little bit better, I think it'll help the Giants because it's just a killer with him and Carson Wentz. I think they're one and two in turnovers this year. So um, it's, it's all about ball security for the Giants. Yeah, and I think, look, this is a team that, that lost their best player in, in, in Saquon Barkley. Wayne, <clears throat> Wayne Gallman has played very, very well. Uh, he's going to continue to ride. Uh, I, I would continue to ride that hand even when with Devonta Freeman gets back. Uh, he's on IR again. But, uh, you know, they're playing well. I'm excited, and they're, they're, in, <laughs> they're in the discussion, that's for sure. And as the last thing I wanted to talk about, and I, and I read this in Peter King's column this morning, but I hadn't, I hadn't realized it, but, but after a couple of booming kicks that we <laughs> saw yesterday during game's action, and you know it's funny. I actually cut in one of my leagues uh, on Saturday night. I, you know, you know, I love the weather forecast. So I, I cut uh, Kareem uh, Fairbain uh, from Houston. I saw the forecast. And I picked up McManus, who ended up kicking a fifty-yarder. But you know, it's interesting in fantasy. In a lot of leagues, you get a lot more points, and, and depending on what league you're in, some of them give big bonus points for long kicks. You know, yesterday, <laughs> uh, Bass from Buffalo drilled a couple of bombs. But this has been the most. 50-yard field goals kicked in a season uh, in history already this season, and we have a lot of football left. So let's not uh, let's not uh, 
not give respect to those kickers out there because they are hitting some monster kicks, and we saw a bunch of them yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's a few things that go into that. I, I think they really made it uh, with the rules, like they don't want you over the center. They you can't line up a certain amount of guys on on one side. You can't use the leverage of the offensive player to jump over the player. It really gives. Uh, and with no crowds and not having to worry about hearing the signal and all of that, and, and especially a lot of these kicks are made in, 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 in domes or perfect conditions, I really think it gives the kicker uh, a, a good chance. I'll tell you, I hit the jackpot in the kicker department of fantasy yesterday in one league. Um, I had, you know, coup of the Falcons off, and my kick was Jason Myers, who kicked the 61-yarder. And another league, I had Mason Crosby, and I didn't like the way things looked in Green Bay, and I dropped him, and I picked Tyler Bass, who kicked three 55-yarders or something like that. So I did well with the kickers. But listen, we did a podcast dedicated to kickers. There's art form, this thinking, the strategy that goes into it. And for the people that are in leagues where if you kick a 22-yard field goal, it's three points, and if you kick a 59-yarder, it's five points, I think that's ridiculous. I think um, you have to put the fantasy value and try and equate that to the difficulty of the feat. And um, while there's a lot more 50-yarders going, I just don't like the disparity of the of the difference uh, between what most leagues do. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting, and I know you love talking about kickers all the time. Yeah, and it's uh, and, and like I said, we're seeing some incredible performances, and good on you that you made that move. That's uh, that's just, that's definitely a sweet one for sure. All right, so let's get into this game tonight. I'm sorry I hit you with a lot of topics there, but uh, we got your Minnesota Vikings playing the Chicago Bears. You know, when I look at these two teams, even though the Bears have the better record, I don't know, am I crazy to think that the Minnesota Vikings are the better football team right now? Uh, they've certainly played better in the last couple of weeks. The defense has settled down. Uh, I need a Carl Eller, uh, Allen Page, Purple People-like uh, outing in a couple of leagues from that defense tonight. So uh, let, let's see what happens. Uh, but but am I, am I crazy to think think at this point in time, because I really do feel like the Vikings are the better team tonight. Um, the Bears come into this game without David Montgomery. Uh, Al Robinson's a little nicked up. Nick Foles hasn't played well. Uh, the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, hottest player in the league. So how is this game going to play out tonight? Do you have a strong feeling in which this game will go? I know you're, you're, you are a Viking fan, so but I, I, you, know, you look at this very objectively when you talk about it. So I'm curious your thoughts on this particular game this evening. So I, I have a, I have a couple of predictions about about the game, not exactly what's going to happen in the game, but could be aftermath. So first of all, it, even though the, the the Bears have the better record, I agree with you. It, it feels like the teams are on a different trajectory, if you will. It looks like the Vikings are ascending uh, and the Bears are descending. But you know, it, the Vikings have not played well against Chicago. I mean, last year David Montgomery who was awful all year. I mean, he looked like he was running in, in cement. Uh, he looked like a, like, a, like a turtle with a piano on its back last year. He, he destroyed the Vikings for 130 yards, I think, in one game uh, that they played last year. And the Vikings couldn't get anything go- going. I think in both games combined, Adam Thielen may have had three catches combined. 
Uh, this is an all-pro, a uh, Pro Bowl receiver, and the Bears, you know, we know what the Bears do to opposing receivers. I think Diggs got them uh, pretty good in one of the games, but Thielen put up two nothing burgers against the, against the Bears last week. So uh, I'm just concerned that even though the teams are on a different trajectory, I'm concerned that the, the Bears just seem to have the Vikings number. That being said, let me get into one prediction I have, is that if the Bears lose this game – they're going to take the bye week, and they're going to come out on week 12 with Trubisky as the starter. That's one prediction I have. I don't know if that's going to be the case, the way the Vikings have played against Chicago. Maybe the Bears dominate the game. But if the, if the Vikings win this game, the Bears are on a bye week, week 11. I say week 12, uh, Trubisky will be announced the starter. We'll see if I'm right or wrong or however that goes. As far as the game is concerned, I mean, it – this is all about Kirk Cousins. You just don't know if you're going to get the good Kirk Cousins or the bad Kirk Cousins. I will say this. You're not going to make a living against the Bears throwing the ball often. So they're going to have to stick with the running game, ground and pound Cook, Madison in there, and, and really stick with the running game and stay in the game and hope they can get on top because it's just not going to work out for the Vikings if they have to throw the ball. Uh, yeah, and we've seen them kind of back away, right? In that in that Green Bay game, what did Kirk Cousins throw the ball sixteen times in that game? I believe. Yeah, they, they need a, they need a that that's the formula that Minnesota needs to play with against the Bears tonight is is to ground and pound, stay in the game, maybe get a lead, stick with the running game, and I'll tell you something else. When you play the Bears, it's just their receivers. You know, with Fuller is an elite cornerback, and Eddie Jackson is all over the field. It's just tough for like the, they they just don't let the main receiver go off against them. They just they just don't. Um, and and I just think the others, if you will, Kyle Rudolph, there's no Earl Smith tonight. Kyle Rudolph's got to do something in this game. He's got to catch three, four passes, maybe 30, 40 yards, help out. Justin Jefferson uh, as well, considering that Phil is probably going to be on feeling. So the others is how you do something against the, the Bears in the passing game because it's just difficult to, for them, for the other team's main guy because they really look to shut down that player. So a lot of ground the pound and the others – like I said, for the Vikings on offense and for the Vikings on defense, you know, Allen Robinson has been kind of unstoppable against the Vikings last year. You know, I think he had maybe 16 or 17 catches in the two games against them. So he's going to get his stuff, but it's the same type of deal. In my view, it comes down to which team can make the other team completely one-dimensional and do something that they don't want to do, which is throw the ball. And whoever can do that first and whoever can do that best is simply going to win the game. Now, I'm not going to be here and say, well, I think the Vikings are going to do that. They're going to definitely win the game. No, I, I don't think that at all. I think it could go either way. And the Vikings have played better, but the Bears just seem to have the Vikings number. So that's how I view the game. How do you see it? And then we'll get into, I guess, player props or DraftKings players. You know, so I think I think the biggest thing in this game, as you mentioned, is the fact that, you know, 
each team is not particularly good. Well, at this point in time, you take away David Montgomery, and we don't know what the Bears are going to bring us You know, from a, from a rushing game perspective, right? They, they have Cordell Patterson. They have Ryan Nall, and they're going to call up uh, Lamar, Lamar Miller, who hasn't played in a couple of years. Um, Minnesota, like I said, their defense has played better. Chicago has been a stingy defense all year. I mean, my, my mind tells me that this game ends up being kind of like a black and blue uh, 38, 39, 40-point type uh, over-under total. Uh, that's what it tells me. Uh, there's not really big weather concerns, a little bit cool tonight, but you know, basically the wind is going to be somewhere between 10 and 15 miles an hour, so nothing like what we saw last night or, or in Cleveland yesterday. But I think you're bang on when you say, I'm making Kirk Cousins beat me, and I'm making Nick Foles beat me. And I think there's a little bit more concern, like I said, like you said, because Allen Robinson has done very well. He is coming to this game a little nicked up for sure. But yeah, this is a game where Kirk Cousins is going to have to throw the ball for, for them to win. Uh, but I think you know the best player on the field is Dalvin Cook, and and Dalvin Cook is going to have to be put to use tonight as well in, in a big way. So. I, look, I just think the, I don't like anything I see in the Bears. Um, they, they, to me, they masquerade as a playoff team. The record's not indicative of, of kind of what I think about them as a team. Uh, they have made some changes already with uh, um, Lazar. Bill Lazar's going to be calling plays rather than Matt Nagy, who's done a horrendous job of it, you know, basically for the better part of the last two seasons. So, yeah, I, I like Minnesota in the game personally. I, I think the Vikings win this game. Um, and they don't have Mitch Trubisky to fall back on because he's hurt. So, I think the Vikings lay three and a half in this game. I like the Vikings winning this game by 10 points because I just think they're that much better a team and they figure out how to get it done offensively as opposed to the Bears who who have uh, struggled a little bit at times uh, on the offensive side of the ball and then you take away their running game. So I think that's a big concern in this one. Yeah, I'm going to say one thing about this game. There's something very, very interesting that's going to take place in the game and I, I don't know how much he's going to play and how well he's going to play, but I think... You really have to keep an eye on Lamar Miller, who has been with the practice squad for the Bears for a while now. Uh, I saw about a month ago they said he was getting closer and closer, and um, he's going to be active tonight. I don't know if he's going to play, how much he's going to play, but we've seen seen stranger things happen, and, uh, you know... you know, Noel and and uh, and and Cordell Patterson, they're not like guys that you could give the ball to over and over again. And uh, the Bears need something, somebody to take a little bit of pressure off Nick Foles. So I'm really keeping my eye on Lamar Miller tonight. What he does, how much he gets in there. You know, first game back off a lengthy injury, and he's going to be active. So I'm assuming he's going to get in there. I just don't know how much he's going to play, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, as far as DraftKings go, I mean, that could be my my sleeper, my dark horse to put there. His salary is $200. Um, and I've sprinkled in him in a few lineups, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes because if he could come in there and play and do something, uh, it could be well worth it because I, I just don't – I think there's been enough of sample size of Cordaro Patterson, honestly, to know what he can and can do. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. Do you think he's going to actually play tonight, Lamar Miller? Uh, look, they've definitely talked about it. So, I, you know, we know that uh, 
if you look at Patterson and you look at Noll, they are not prototypical backs where Miller is. So I think he's going to play. Uh, you've been talking about it for a few days now. So I'm, I'm with you on this. I think that's crazy price for him in DraftKings um, for sure. I, so I would definitely be going in that direction. I think you're right on Kyle Rudolph, by the way. Um, I think Kyle Rudolph is a guy that you want to own tonight. That's that's the one guy that I'd be sprinkling, sprinkling into any lineup that I could. With no Irv Smith Jr., I, I think he's the guy that I want to put out on the field without a doubt in this ball game. Uh, especially as you mentioned, those those secondary guys are going to be all over Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And I think in the middle of the field is we're going to have to get going. I think you'll see Dalvin Cook catch a lot of balls today as well. So I think they'll be using the short passing game more effectively um, to combat you know the strength of the Chicago Bear defense. I guess you know I know you love the Monday Thursday DraftKings the two games. So which of the which of the games? You're almost like tempted to like just pick maybe a defense and and, and the rest of all offensive players in, the, in that game on Thursday, which is uh, the Cardinals and Seahawks. Oh, yeah, that's a great but, game. Great ball game. You know, if you have to use somebody in the two game where you're going to, you, you, you have to use somebody from the game. They don't let you just you pick the Thursday game. You have to use at least one player from the game tonight. So with that being said, is there a player or players – that you would put out there combined with the Thursday guys. Yeah, I, I would be. I would. I would not be playing one of those defenses on Thursday for sure. So the defense would definitely come from my game from this game, uh, and I'd probably lean towards the Vikings defense. I. I, I have that. Uh, I, I certainly have that going tonight because I've used. I'm using them as a stream defense in two different leagues, uh, and I go with Kyle Rudolph. Those are the two guys that I would use tonight. Interesting, interesting. So uh, sit Cook at his salary and uh, and load up on the uh, Arizona and Seahawks game. And I think it is like conventional wisdom that you know they sat out um, Chris Carson for the game so he could play in that playoff in, in that division matchup against Arizona on Thursday. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I still be would be afraid, and and certainly that's putting a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson right now. The fact that the Seattle Seahawks really don't have a, a running game. I mean, Alex Collins is off the street playing. Uh, uh, Tra- Travis Homer got hurt yesterday. They didn't didn't use Dallas that much in, in that particular game. But yeah, that 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 certainly is a missed part of the Seattle defense. You know, I, we you know we joked around letting Russell Wilson cook, but I think you need to have some sort of a balance in your in your offense in order to let him cook, and and instead. Yeah, we talked the other day. Right? Yeah. They they got to get those tough yards from Carson. They got to be able to use some clock, keep that defense off the field for a little bit, keep the pressure off. You know, um, you, you know, Russ Wilson from the other defense just going after him, knowing that he's going to throw. Uh, so Carson, you know, when you think about the Seahawks, you're thinking now about what Russ Wilson and Metcalf and Lockett, but. You really, in my view, you have to have Carson in that lineup. He really does his things. He gets the tough yards. He's a real physical player, um, and uh, and and he makes that offense go because once he gets going in the running game, it it just makes it easier for for Russell. Russell Wilson, you know, he's just under so much duress. And on top of that, he makes a lot of great plays, but you know, some of his some of his errant throws, and, and especially in the game yesterday I just think is is is, a, is is because that he's under so much pressure these last few games it's like he, he's seeing things that he shouldn't be seeing and he's just trying to get rid of the ball and uh, and make great throws because he's just under so much pressure on almost every single pass so they got to get Chris Carson back in there no question about it and as far as uh, player props 
What are you looking at anything particular in, in this ball game and, and and any of the lines that you think are compelling for tonight? Yeah, I mean the the, the one thing that I'm looking at is. I'm looking at Allen Robinson's receptions. Um, I haven't seen a line on it. I was, I'm not sure if there was one on Allen Robinson. Or maybe it was there, two and a half or there five isn't, and a half. I don't see an Allen. For receptions, I don't yeah, see one. Yeah, it's large, but there wasn't receptions on him for some reason. So it's a little tricky why DraftKings isn't putting that one out there yet. But whatever it is, I'm assuming it'll be somewhere between four and a half and five and a half. I like the over uh, no, matter what, no matter what it is. I mean, I just think even if he's not able to get deep, Deep, they'll throw it to him early and often, and you know they they just don't have anyone that they're going to be able to ground and pound with. So probably going to throw the ball a lot. There could be a lot of short completions. There could be a lot of sacks, a lot of interceptions. There could be a whole lot of mess going on in this game tonight. But uh, we'll see. The, the one team that's able to make the other team one-dimensional is going to win that game. That's the that's how I'll leave it off. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, so Nick Foles has had a couple of monster games against the Bears. Um, but once as a, actually uh, both times as a Philadelphia Eagle, um, sorry, against the Vikings, both times both times as a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, in one game, he threw for over 400 yards and three touchdowns. So let's see what happens in this particular game. But I think Foles has to throw the ball, quite frankly. So if I'm going to put any kind of bet on, on the quarterback position, I'm going to go over 270 and a half for Nick Foles. And I know that's kind of going against the grain for everything that I've kind of talked about today. But I just don't see them being able to, if, if they're not running the ball and they're completely ineffective, Nick Foles is going to have to drop back and throw the ball 50-odd times. So pick your, pick your poison in terms of Chicago receivers. I think Mooney's been coming on. Um, you know, Robinson, like I said, is coming into this game nicked up. I could see Jimmy Graham doing some stuff in this game. I actually like, like I said, I like the short passing game for the Vikings. So I like the over 16.5 yards for Dalvin Cook and the over 29.5 yards for uh, Kyle Rudolph as well. So if I'm, I'm going to do probably three different ones. I'm going to take the over on Nick Foles, which, again, I know that's – Definitely out of the box. And the and the overs for Dalvin Cook and the over for Kyle Rudolph for, for tonight's game. So you think it's a high-scoring game, I guess, huh? I don't think so. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I just think, you know, to your point, um, I think Chicago will defend Justin Jefferson well. I think they will defend Adam Thielen well because they have a history of that. And plus, this defense is... Been very, very good with that uh, basically this whole season. Uh, my, my guess is they lean on Dalvin Cook, Minnesota, that is, and they try to run him. But I think he gets involved in the passing game. So I don't know that it's going to be a high-scoring game. But I think the only way the Bears are winning this game is if Nick Foles has one of those Philadelphia Eagle 350-yard, three-touchdown games. That's the only way they're beating the Minnesota Vikings tonight. All righty. We'll see. And uh, we'll be back, uh, I guess, maybe tomorrow, Wednesday, with a – with a full recap of uh, of everything that took place, and uh, and and then at that point, I guess we'll be moving on to week eleven already, which is unbelievable. Again, the NFL has done a remarkable job of keeping this going. Um, you know, especially with COVID cases rising. I mean, they've they've definitely kept uh, a ring around whenever the cases have sprung up. We saw that with Ben Roethlisberger this week. So hopefully that continues. There is an impact every single week on defenses. You know, the Bear, the, the Bills yesterday without a couple of their key secondary players as a result of COVID test on Josh Norman and, and close contact. So this is going to be impact 
impacting teams the whole rest of the season. There's no way around it. So you have to be on top of that. I am super excited for that game on Thursday night. Normally, I don't look forward to Thursday night. Normally, I want to sit my players on a Thursday night. I don't think that's going to be the case in this particular game. It's a huge game for that division, both teams six and three. Uh, we'll look forward to talking about that on, on Thursday when we do the preview for it. And again, we have a lot to discuss in terms of our recap uh, over the next couple of days. So lots going on in the NFL. Very excited. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, Wiz. Hopefully your Vikings prevail. Uh, I know they've been playing better, and uh, we want to get them back into the playoff equation, and the win tonight will certainly do that. All right. You All got right. it. Enjoy. See you later.